<laughs> That's the weirdest intro we've ever done. <laughs> Probably. I think we're going to have to see how, if we can outweird ourselves on the beginnings of the show. Uh, just before we hit record, uh, we were doing warm-up exercises to just kind of like be silly. Etc. Um, and censored in on a, uh, a meditating om, and I hit record. Here we are. <laughs> Fantastic. Hi, Dave. It's so nice to see you. It's good to see you too, Daniel. It's, it's uh, just that time of the week again. We are recording. Yeah. Like every time, every time that we record, I'm always like, um, oh, I have like so much to do today, but... I hope I can make it and be fresh and interesting back when we, when I meet you in the evening mm -hmm. and then I cook dinner and usually it's like super time constrained and I'm like, Oh, I usually have to t text you like, Hey, I need 10 more minutes. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, and then once I sit down and see you and we just like, like goof off a little bit, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is actually fun. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And, uh, nah, it's similar on my side cause we are, currently 12 hours apart and so you're time constrained for dinner and this and the other i'm time constrained for work and people getting up and going out um, in my household uh but we make it work that's it's fun and uh i kind of quite like the fact that we are managing to tag team the show across the time zones like yeah, that's pretty sort cool, of, actually. yeah it, it amuses me a bit <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> in your it works state line uh, <laughs> it works too like i don't know like if i had to record in the morning i think i would be worse but you seem yeah. to, like you just you just seem fresh and energetic and whatever it's like really nice that's a reason for that i've had coffee and cake for breakfast Ooh, cake yeah, What's yeah, the occasion? yeah so that uh my wife makes cakes fantastic <laughs> <laughs> So, really, really good occasion yeah very good occasion cool um but yeah so I'm, I'm fully caffeinated fully sugared up and ready to go and honestly daniel i probably I, i've had two coffees this morning i definitely mm. needed it because i've, I've spent the last few days doing some fairly uh for me at least some fairly physically straining work which I'm not going to talk about in much depth on the show other than I've had a very long weekend. I've had like a four-day weekend because of the way the holidays have worked here in New Zealand. Nice. Yeah, I took Monday off. Uh, Tuesday was a national holiday. And so what did I do with that time? I hired a skip and decided to go and sort out a load of things in our garden here in this house. And that has meant a lot of lifting, a lot of soaring, um, because I've been like chopping bits of trees down and things uh all necessary stuff for me to get my garden exactly as i want it uh, which is very much not a show topic but is a thing i've been doing a lot of and so yeah strenuous weekend and now i'm a bit achy oh, i get that two coffees and cake all's good a skip that's like a huge bin you just like chuck stuff in there like it's yeah, carried it's like, away right yeah yeah, on a delivered truck or by something. a huge truck with an arm on it that drops it down. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're called anywhere else. A rubbish bin, oh. yeah, that works. A dumpster with no lid on it. The, I have no the idea. The Germans call them a container or a rubbish container. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know where the word skip kind of comes from, like what it's sort of in relation to. It's just that's what we call them. It's just a weird Kiwi thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, English, British thing, really. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah yeah anyway speaking about weird british things welcome <laughs> to waiting for review a show about the majestic indie developer lifestyle <laughs> join our scintillating hosts dave and daniel and let's hear about a tiny slice of their thrilling lives join us while we're waiting for review are we waiting for your review we both of us have not uh, entered any uh, vision pro apps into the app store right yeah, that's, that's true. No Vision Pro for me. No Vision Pro apps. I, I played for with me the yet. SDK and mm -hmm. like telemetry like SDK works for it. It's, except that sometimes in on some Vision Pro simulators, it does log a weird warning message about um, transport security. But mm -hmm. um, I haven't like 
it's so as far as I can tell, it's not my problem. It's Apple's problem. <laughs> well, and it still it still works. So it's just yeah. like a bit not as concerning. Um, but yeah, are you like, if you're wondering, I am just sitting in the middle of the room, the background is different, the camera is different, and I'm holding my microphone very you are goosey, um, because instead of like having it in an arm, because, um, I kind of had to, um, slightly remodel my wall. <laughs> and so the, the, the place where normally my desk sits with my screen on top and everything, um, there's a, a heating radiator underneath and that one is broken. And so I have now pulled out my desk and put, took everything down and, um, I'm sitting in my half disassembled office. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I like this or dislike. I think I like it actually. Yeah. It's just, I can't move too much because I'm afraid of getting cable noise on this microphone. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Um, we have listener email, I think. We do. We do. And I, I, tell me about I'm it. not sure whether to to read this email on the show or to uh, – we should reply directly, to be fair, Daniel, to this email. Okay. Um, but I'm just, just pulling it up now just because you, you've mentioned it and we should definitely hat tip and take a look. Um, unfortunately, my email's all over the place, so if you've got it in front <laughs> of you, go for it. I, I don't. I don't. But while you are um... – while you're still looking for it, I will just like tell um, the story of my uh, rampaging heating because this heating element out underneath my um, desk is not working at all. But yesterday evening, actually, um, all the other heating elements or all the other heating radiators in the in the whole apartment just suddenly went full bore. Gradually over the day, they were they just all went to five out of five, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it turns out we have um, Elgato Eves, or they're just Eves now, so the Eve Thermo, okay, uh, which is a like thing where you can like replace the normal hand hand style um dial on a radiator with a an electronic thing that would you just like put in the Hold up. El, target El temperature as in the same company that does the capture cards that gamers yeah. use so okay. elgato used to be like elgato is now elgato gaming mm -hmm. and the about i don't know i want to say 10 years ago but maybe five let's say seven years ago they split up the company between elgato gaming and eve uh, right. Both of those used to be one company. That's why I still call them Elgato Eve. And I used to work for for the, that company before they split up. And then I had another stint at Elgato Gaming after the split up. Just that was like shortly before the pandemic, I think. Um. Anyway, they like they're all HomeKit enabled and they're pretty cool. But they suddenly they they were they all at the same time decided that their batteries were almost empty. Mm -hmm. And to prevent me from freezing to death, they were like, okay, before we are dying, we're going to open all the, the valves for like to, to maximum and then like just let the batteries go out. The problem is that we uh, replaced the non-rechargeable batteries in there with rechargeable batteries because like they're just like these double A batteries yeah. because we want to be more environmentally conscious and not throw away batteries all the time. Turns out mm -hmm. that rechargeable batteries have a lower voltage or something, especially mm -hmm. the cheap ones. And so the thing thinks it's go it's running on empty, even though there's like still enough energy left. <laughs> yep. So I guess I'm buying more expensive uh, rechargeable batteries now. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, at least you've diagnosed the the issue. Yeah, it was like almost midnight. I was ready to go to to bed. Um, and then suddenly I'm like, okay, why is it like, like I was like just in, in sweatpants and a shirt. And I was like, why is it still so hot? Like it's not supposed to, like it's, we, we're still in winter. Yeah. Um, and like just over the course of the evening without kind of realizing, I, I took off my sweater and I took off my socks and I was like, okay. Ah. And I was about to pull off my sweatpants as well. And I'm like, no, no, wait, I'm going to try to like, to, to dial down the heat instead. And that didn't help either because like they didn't really react anymore. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, it sounds like you've been having the same sort of temperatures in winter as we've been having here in the summer. I mean, I'm not opposed to these kinds of temperatures, but I don't want to be hit with the horrible energy bill. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it has been boiling here lately, Daniel. Okay. It's been, been very warm again. Yeah. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the way it goes. We're in the middle of summer, and um, that's something actually I have to be very, very careful in the New, New Zealand sun, and I've definitely caught the sun uh, from doing all that yard work mm, this I last weekend. Imagine. Yeah, you can't tell on my face on the show, on the YouTube bit of the show, because uh, I still just look pasty white, as is normal for me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, on on the, my arms, which were not exposed, I, I, which were exposed, I've definitely caught the sun here, and we get more UV. So that's, that's the thing that I have to look out for. But uh, ah, trust me on the found... sunscreen. Yeah, definitely trust me on the sunscreen. But um, I found uh, that email, and Daniel, awesome. I, I I don't want to read the email verbatim uh, because Joe, who messaged us before Joseph Heck, um, sent us another uh, sent us an email after catching our follow up on the show to his YouTube comment. Um, but he did have a question directly to you, Daniel, that could be good to talk about for half a second, right. which was that um, now that Apache Druid isn't causing you daily nightmares, that's in reference to you fixing the thorny data <laughs> problem, um, I'm curious as to how you ended up picking as a backend TSDB for your work. I've had personal experience with InfluxDB, but not perhaps at the scale you're dealing with with telemetry deck. Um, so, yeah, why, why that? All right, why drew it? So, in the beginning, I actually looked at Influx. I looked at another time series database where that I forgot the name of right now, and I looked at Apache Druid. And it just turns out that Druid was the easiest to set up, and <laughs> Druid was actually very, very easily usable. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, okay, I'm gonna tr- just gonna trial this. And then, after a, a just like after a few weeks of playing around with it, um, it turns out that the the Druid query language was just very, very actually a very natural fit for telemetry deck um, because it is a JSON based language where which just fits very well with how I think. And so the thing is that I can now build queries with this language. And the thing is also that a customer could send such a query directly to the um, to the API, and that is still safe. I hope, at least, <laughs> I mean, nothing is ever hundred percent safe. But it feels still feels safe, like compared to, um, let's say, SQL or something, which is just text, which is notoriously hard to make sure that there's no escaped sequences or some mm-hmm. other leaks or anything. Um, this language is JSON, so I can actually write a Swift structs to represent every single item. And so mm-hmm. what happens is you send you send a query to the database, and then um, it just gets parsed as these Swift structures. And so only the features that I actively um, implement in those structs will actually be supported. Everything that's ca- that can't be parsed will just result in an error. So Swift's type safety is actually saving me here. And then yep. I can like wrap a huge outer filter around the thing that just makes sure that you only get you only ever get data from your from your apps basically. Just the the ease of use and the um, and the the query language were were a huge plus. Yeah. Um, and now you could of course say yeah, but like now you're having all these problems. And the thing is, we have nine point five million monthly active users. We have three point. Six three point seven billion signals in the in the database, uh, which you can query in real time. We have about eight-ish very large machines just running the historicals for that thing. Yep. Like at that scale, you just like it, any of those databases. Just managing them and babysitting them is becoming a job. It's not a full-time yeah. job. I think that's that's a, a year or two away, but it's becoming a job. And I don't think the others would fare worse, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I am like starting to talk to a few people um, whether they could think about um, like helping, uh, helping me out with um, just, just admitting the thing or mm-hmm. developing, developing the thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why I chose to it. Also, two f- data scientist friends of mine kind of recommended it. 
Um, and I was like, okay, this is good because then I have two people who I can ask questions about. And they don't have, yeah. they didn't have any idea about like how to host and run it, but they had ideas about how to, how to use it. And that was actually very helpful in the beginning. Brilliant. Oh, well, that, that answers that question pretty well. And I think I can probably distill that down to, yeah, like it, it works very well with Swift and Codable for you. I yeah. guess really is ultimately the one of the biggest things there, um, as well as all the safety uh, that we talked about a second ago with SQL options that are more difficult to lock down. Um, awesome. Well, we should definitely reply back to, to Joseph um, directly, but I hope he enjoys hearing his question or part of the email at least read <laughs> out on the show. Um, it's often, yeah. honestly, it's really lovely to hear from people who are listening to the show and, and, uh, Sometimes it's a bit like app store reviews, right? Um, you don't really tend to hear too much um, unless somebody thinks something's particularly good or particularly bad. So it's nice to just hear things from people and, and have questions directed at us. That's that's always fun. Yeah, totally. Continue writing us, please. Uh, contact at waitingforreview.com. Hey, nice plug. <laughs> Dave, what have, Dave, what have you been doing? Well... Yeah, I've been playing with AI, in a sense, Daniel. I've been playing with mm -hmm. Core ML, at least. So uh, I'm also still shaving that yak, and I do not want to talk <laughs> about that on the show yet again. So no. what is happening, is, to be perfectly clear, is that I've got that really relatively boring job of um, pulling through a load of code and refreshing a bunch of things inside my main app. Uh and so now I've started slacking off, right? It's like that, that job's boring. It's actually nearly there, nearly, nearly, nearly there. Um, that job's boring me. So I took a bit of a detour and started playing with something that's been kind of like piquing my interest, I want to say, for a while. And so what... What's happened, Daniel, is that I, I came across uh, something where somebody who VJs posted about uh, some of their artistic process and part of their current artistic process was that they were after dropping the background from a bunch of video and getting something interesting from that they were then running this this um, effectively like backgroundless performance of somebody doing like um, some martial arts they ran it through and uh, they ran it through an AI, which I'm guessing was probably stable diffusion, and they had it redrawn into sort of watercolors. And so you get this fluid movement of, of the martial arts and it's watercolory. And I looked and said, as much as I've had unease about bits of AI, right? I, I've, I've found a lot of what we're getting sold at the moment as AI, LLMs, uh, I've took a look and kind of concluded, ah, some of this is a gigantic plagiarism machine, right? So, and then I saw this, this artistic process, and I thought I should give it a go so I at least understand a bit about how this stuff works. And a couple hours later, I had a pipeline running on my, my personal Mac, uh, which is a bunch of uh, bash scripts, really, that will take a video, strip it to its frames. So turn it into an image sequence with a, a bunch of images in a folder and then pipe those images one by one into a core ML model that's running locally on my Mac. Uh, and it's set to do an image to image uh, kind of uh, redraw of things. So it's got the, the the original image of the video, which is then being filtered through a prompt that I give it. So I'm like, yeah, watercolors with strong blacks, blah, 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 all, all, all these sort of, you know, prompt based things. And it does this now through a bash script and I can just fire anything at it and it out, you know, 20 minutes later, a half hour later or whatever, it's, it's outputted a, uh, a video that's been drawn in that style. And that's so been a lot of real time. That's right. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> that was my first question. Like, is it real time? Is it real time? Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? If it was real time, I would want to pull it straight into my video mixing app and then have it mm -hmm. as an effect. 
over there that anybody could use to, on any video in any live performance. This doesn't quite work like that uh, because it does still take a bit of time. And actually that, that time is largely due to the fact I'm running a, a M2 Max in my Mac studio. There's no way it would have been done within 20 minutes to half hour with what I was mm -hmm. doing. So it's another thing is I've, I've kind of got to put this machine through its paces beyond Xcode a little bit. So that's been fun. So yeah, I get that. I get yeah, that. That's, that's what I've been up to. I've been playing with those and dreaming of a day the computing power is strong enough that this sort of thing could just be done in real time. I right? wonder if there's like um, video-based generative AI that doesn't have to work on each image individually or well, something like that. Yeah, there's, well, there's bound to be something like that. But what I've discovered since, Daniel, is mm -hmm. that within Xcode, within the core ML tools that we've got access to there, there is uh, the ability to train a style transfer model, which I didn't Ooh. really know about. I've kind of looked at core ML stuff and just gone, yeah, 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 whenever it matters to me, I'll have a look at that later. And, you know, the last two or three years of development has passed me by in that sense. Uh, but, yeah, I found, um, found out that you can train your own model for style transfer. You can give it an input style. And if you're prepared to sit there and let it do its thing and iterating and coming out with a model at the end, you can get some quite good effects by just feeding it an, an initial image. And uh, yeah, and those look like they can run in almost real time to to some degree. So I'll be playing with that soon, I think. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I mean, yeah, yeah like CoreML, that stuff like was announced a few years ago, right? But yeah, I, I haven't really played around with it either. So it's it's really cool. Well, we'll we'll see how I get on. Um like I've yet to train my own model. And that, but that's part of the appeal for me, right? Is that maybe I can come up with a filter that's based on something that I've drawn um and pulled together. I'm artistic enough to probably draw something good enough to generate a style, I think. Um so I'll have a play with that. And it may be cool. It may be rubbish. If it's any good, it'll end up in with, I'll, I'll, I'll code something up that uses the, um, the core ML side inside of a core image filter, I think is what I'll probably end up with. Does it need like as much like training data as the big models? Like you said something from about like, you can draw and then you can create a style from that. Like, mm -hmm. would you have to draw 5,000 images, images no. or just a tiny amount? No, no. I've, what I've seen going looks like you can just feed it the one image and then it runs it through the, the style transfer. I'm guessing it's a base model. Again, I don't ah, know. Yeah, they have like these yeah. pre-trained models and they can yeah. train on top of them, which is like very smart actually. Yeah, yeah. And so then it becomes a process if you've got your um your style image that you've input to it you will probably run it against with a reference image and then you can look at the iterations that it produces and decide where at what level of iteration on the model does it look cooked effectively does it look good mm -hmm. for what you want it to do oh that's pretty cool so i guess all of this is to say i'll have a play if anything good as far as i'm concerned comes out of it then this might be a route for me to use some of this for, for um, effects generation or at least a base for some effects in my apps. And uh, without doing a load of plagiarization to some degree, like I, I'd need to dig deeper to understand how the, the style transfer model did what it did in the first place. But assuming that it is relatively ethically clean, then whatever I produce with my own input image to create a style is then uh, artisanal Dave Wood <laughs> <laughs> uh, model. Yeah. Handcrafted here in New Zealand oh. rather than um, like say at the moment, what I played with when I, when I was using the prompt based stuff in that pipeline uh, was actually using stable diffusion. And as I dug into what stable diffusion is and has under the hood, they scraped, millions and millions of images off the internet, you know, from places like Pinterest and all the rest of it, where they could access stuff that was tagged 
pulled it together and it's then been worked over and, and various steps taken to turn it into the model that is stable diffusion today. And it's great, right? You know, like I say, I was able to, with a, a minimum of effort, come up with a pipeline that was doing this artistic sort of watercolor redrawing of, of videos. But there's that unease that I feel, which is like, yeah, the only reason it's doing that is because of however many artists' artwork that was used to to get there, you know, and, and I can't actually tell you who, what, where, when, and that leaves me feeling a bit bit icky, to be honest, yeah, if I was to use I that. To... I certainly wouldn't want to use it commercially, personally, myself, yeah. because of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much on board with that. Like, there are a, like a, a huge amount of unsolved problems that we have to talk about before AI can really be, or generative AI at least, can really be used in a way that is like, like just that doesn't feel slightly icky. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I mean, yeah, we probably got to get there as a society yeah. somehow. <laughs> I, th I think so, and and you know, I'm sure if I to dug deeper and had a look around there'll be something out there i know there are some open data sets open models where things are a bit bit uh, cleaner if you like i've no idea if i would like the results of them that's something else right it's like you know I, I i used that created this pipeline looked at the output and was like yeah that actually looks quite nice um i mm -hmm. can see how i would use it um yeah but uh for me personally the icky side outweighs a few things i wouldn't want to build an app around something that was depending on that um but if there's this other routes where i can kind of come up with my own styles have a bit of a play that feels okay and especially if i can achieve a performance where it can be used in real time well then that's directly useful to the the video mixing app that i've got and the um and the filters that i've got over there so it's like i guess this marks for me a first look at these technologies, probably mm -hmm. four or five years too late in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah. everyone else is into spatial computing now. AI is just to the side. And now Dave is like, Ooh, AI. <laughs> yeah. 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 So three or four years time, everything will be spatial for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. But honestly, Daniel, I don't mind. Like there's an advantage to waiting for stuff to mature, right? I, I, mm. I had a search, I found a tutorial that shows me almost exactly the steps to what I want to do. I'm not sitting here trying to figure out things from first principles. It's well-trodden ground now. Uh, that's that's also got its benefits, right? Is waiting until something is, is cooked, as it were, or, or mm. useful, well-trodden, um, is not necessarily a bad thing. And I kind of feel the same about AR and... Um, the vision pro to be fair it's like it doesn't hurt me to wait right now like i don't think anybody is beating down my door yet to say why do your apps not support the vision pro nicely uh sooner or later maybe but by the time that becomes a proper pressure for me again it'll be well trodden ground a lot of what i'll need to do or want to do will have tutorials or other bits ready for me to look at uh so i don't I don't have too much FOMO, which is interesting, you know, in terms of, of, of the Vision Pro. Yeah, I don't I know that. if you feel similar. I I am really happy that so many of my friends are enjoying it. Mm -hmm. um, and like, especially like people like uh, Christian Selig of Apollo fame, who now made a really cool YouTube app for the Vision Pro. And Michaela Karen, who is a... Um, like I was one of our, one of us indie developers. I mm -hmm. link to her. I link to her a Mastodon or something, and yep. she also um, had an app out with lots of particle effects and stuff like that. And both of those, both of those are, if not on track, either on track of having like just made back their investment into into the Vision Pro already, or are even like surpassed it. And I am just so happy for them. I'm like really. I think that's really really cool. That people are, are playing, are playing around, are trying it out, and, and so on. For me, it doesn't make sense right now. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not grumpy about it. I'm like, yeah, cool, awesome, go, and I'll come. I'll come uh, after a while if the if the like when, once I I don't know put on my swim trunks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a swimming metaphor. Some suddenly like I don't know where it came from, but yeah. 
that's that that's fine but moving swiftly on uh, <laughs> yeah um i'm wondering though daniel like i know recently you've been sort of like shifting your focus in telemetry deck and i'm wondering if you're now coming back into the programming groove um after sort of being very much immersed in more of the the non-programming bits of telemetry deck and yeah if you're back in the programming mood, I'm guessing you've not been making Vision Pro apps. No, not really. So, yeah. um, so uh, originally the plan that I uh, like, like I told you about, like every, okay, let's let me start differently. Um, so, one of our recurring topics is that even developers like us, especially indie developers, need to put a very decent amount of time into sales and marketing like that's mm-hmm. that's just part of the life if you want to have like if you want to be in that part of in, in that life you can't just do the programming and um, like it's sad because like uh the programming is what we love most i think or most of us yep but uh you can't do one without the other or you can't do it successfully at least um and so what i've what i've done in the last few months is like just apart from the whole server stuff, of course, um, I try to do as much of as much as much as market possible for like marketing side and sales side. Like I reached out to potential customers, I did a lot of like um, reaching out to existing customers, just like trying to improve their situation or talk to them. I um, had a lot of like just networking calls and stuff like that. It sounds a bit dirty when I say networking, but what I would just mean is like, yeah, like just either local people or just people in our, in our like communities as in like developers and software development agencies, that kind of stuff. Like I don't try to sell to everyone and just, I just like try to like get to know everyone and just kind yep. of find out what their needs are and stuff like that. Um, and it's getting more and more natural. Also, we're exploring like different forms of marketing. As you may know, we we mar- we we uh, sponsored the um, uh, Swift Package Index for a while. Um, now we're probably ramping up to do some podcast ads in, in a in a in a few months. Um, yeah. So we're trying out various things, and it turns out a tiny tiny bit I forgot about, or, or I didn't program enough. So I went too far in the other direction. Yeah. Um, because um, Telemetry Dex MR has risen and this is re- it feels really good. But at the same time, lots of little small tickets have accumulated on the um, on the front end side. Uh, yeah. The server has like the server just demands attention. Like um, I, I give it that because otherwise like, just things will just grind to a halt. But also like there's a few medium sized to large features that just are sitting still because you can't push those forwards with just a few hours a, a week. Like you could go to yeah. go to put it put in a day or two a week. Otherwise, just nothing is happening. So I've um, decided I'm gonna I'm gonna try to rebalance again, and this time I'm gonna try to rebalance a little bit back towards um development which actually feels great um and i i am beginning to get better at the whole outreach networking but it also feels really great to be back in the code um today i picked up a uh, a pull request basically or a branch that i've been working on for a few weeks at least like uh, i think i started that back in the beginning of december or so which is about access control and multiple users or multiple organizations per user which is of course a huge rework and today so today i sat down i just worked half a day on, on that alone and it felt really great and also i actually made it pretty far along like i have on a duplicate of the telemetry database, it was able to actually not only like update the database to the new models, but also migrate all the existing users and organizations to the new format without losing any of them, which was uh, nice. really encouraging. Um, so now it's a look at looking at all the APIs. They are um, already surrounded by tests at this point. And then um, just like making sure that all the tests are actually expecting the correct new behavior and then also just on partially on, on part of parts of the actually implementing the new behavior. And then of course it's the front end, but yeah, it's a big feature, but I think it's going to be great because uh, it updates our 
very old user um, code that is like I, I looked at some commits today and like the like you look at these files and it just says like oh yeah this whole block of code was written in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, know yeah. even, I even know wh where it was written. I was, it was written, mm, oh no, that like 2020 wasn't, but um, at some point during the, during the pandemic, I had rented a little cottage in Southern Italy and spent six weeks for summer there, just, um, just hanging around basically on the, on the terrace, on the veranda, just sitting on my laptop and looking, looking out to the sea and writing this code. But that was 21-ish, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. Okay. Either way, it feels really great to be back in the code. Yeah. Um, I feel like it is. This is always going to be a balance that has to be struck, and there's going to the, the pendulum will swing in either direction and, yes. and return, and that's just the natural uh, way. I also think I need to grow my number of minions again. Um, mm -hmm. So I have a like a few friends who are partially helping um, with telemetry deck for a little bit of cash or a little yep. bit of, um, virtual stock. And, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask around, like I'm talking to a few people about helping with the DevOps, as I said already, um, I, um, buddy, a buddy of mine is now also, uh, had, um, shout out to Jihad, uh, Gundus, <laughs> who is a freelancer I've worked, I've worked with before and an indie developer. He creates these amazing tools for internationalization in iOS apps. Um, and yeah, he's out, he's now helping out a little bit and yeah, I'm also looking for a data science student from the local university to yeah. just like, just rummage around in the data basically and what, whatever they find, um, they can, we can do something with, but, um, cool. like, so yeah. So to answer your questions, I haven't, like the last time I touched vision pro code was about two months ago when I tried to create a prototype for the telemetry deck app. Yep. Uh, it looks pretty decent, but it needs about a week of full-time work to really be able to release. And just the telemetry uh, front end iOS, vision OS, Mac OS stuff is just going to stay in, in open source slash abandonment hell, just because like, there's yep. no way. There's no way I'm gonna be able to put in the work, and I don't have the the, the money to pay someone to do it. So yeah. no, if you so... if you as a listener want to work on that, it's all open source on GitHub. Also, like I'm totally having a call with you explaining how the code works. Um, it's just like right now, I'm I'm very sorry to say I can't really work on that. That makes total sense, Daniel. And uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I I've been attached to the repo with that project. So I still get updates when people are <laughs> submitting things to it as well. When, when you have had sort of community participation with the, the old telemetry deck Swift UI app. Um, it's nice to see, and I'm glad people still get something out of it, but, uh, I, I totally understand that you wouldn't be working on that actively or even doing anything related to the, the vision pro right now that, mm -hmm. that just wouldn't make sense. I have a very specific question though, Daniel, we've talked about the pendulum we've talked about mm -hmm. this pendulum effect, right? You know, you've got to kind of swing from one, one skill to the other in order to make things work, right? You, this is about making, you know, not only a technical solution, a, 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 an app, a service in your case that, that does what it does, but it's also about making sure that you're getting it out there and people are actually buying it. And so that you've got that sort of, you know, cash flow and everything else, you can keep doing it. The question I've got is when did you realize the pendulum had swung too far this time around? What was the trigger specifically to pull you back to programming? The trigger was stress, I think, because I, 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 I had this unease in my chest, basically, where I was like, okay, I am doing these seven things today that are all on my to-do list. And also I have like six or seven various like calls or other calendar events. Mm -hmm. And I f just felt very hunted, basically, just like to, <laughs> to rush through all these. And meanwhile, I'm keeping an eye on my emails, on my GitHub notifications, on my mentions on social media. And people are just like, hey, I have this this tiny niggling um, 
thing or bug or paper cut on the UI here, or hey, I have a question and it turns out I can't answer the question because, or I can't answer the question, but the, the answer is I can't can't do that right now because we haven't implemented one of the new Druid like keywords in the yep. existing Swift code or whatever, and. It just became too much. Uh, yesterday morning, I was like, okay, I need to do something different. Like I, I need to think about, uh, because right now I'm just stressed. I'm, I, I just feel like there's, I feel stretched way too thin. And so I feel like I need to, um, I need to rearrange things somehow. And so I yeah. talked to Lisa and I was like, and told her that. And she was like, okay, what, what do you want to do differently? And I was like, yeah, I think. I want to declare bankruptcy on my reaching out to potential customer tasks because there's like 10 or 15 to do's in there in that, in that queue that is just, that are just like overdue in November or something like that. Yeah. So I want to just declare bankruptcy on those. And then I also, I think I want to like just tackle one or two major features to really push the code base forward. This will also, of course, if I touch stuff, I will like clean it up every now and then. And um, I told her this because also because like I wanted her opinion about like is this a good idea because I tend yeah. to sometimes sometimes I just follow where the dopamine is you know like sometimes I'm just, <laughs> oh, I do, I just really want to do this because it's cool yeah like the other day I built uh, actually like over the weekend I actually I, I worked on some code actually I already I built a pretty cool prototype for sampling like data sampling in telemetry deck. But I'm going to tell you about that next episode because by then I'll have more, more learnings. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I. It turns out, uh, Lisa was Lisa, Lisa thought that was a good idea, and also the feature that I decided to work on was a good idea, mm -hmm. which is really helpful because, like, yeah, uh, sometimes I, I feel like, oh yeah, I just want to do this, and then it turns out it's maybe not the best use of my time. Yeah. Um. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, gonna do like try to skip a few of the responsibilities of the sales and marketing side and to do a few more responsibilities on the development. But also, you know, like if I code and then post about it, is that not marketing? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it all adds up. It certainly all adds up. <laughs> I thank you. I, I, I was curious about that one, like where, what triggers that pendulum switch and, uh, that's interesting. You're in a situation that's different to a lot of like indie app developers, I guess, in the sense of you've got a co-founder, you've got somebody you're working directly with. Um, so it's not just you. And obviously the, the, the product itself is being sold outside of the app store, right? This is, mm. you are selling directly from your website, the service, it's software as a service, classical, um, which is great. But the duties are, are, are quite specific around that, right? Your sort of sales activity or outreach, that sort of thing. It's um, it's broader than a lot of solo app developers would have to engage with. Yeah. Which yeah, the thing is also uh, yeah. our our like customers, our ideal customers, is not as broad as many apps. Like if you sell an app for VJs, that's pretty pretty slim, but like most apps mm -hmm. are like maybe an app for note-taking and almost everybody can at least envision themselves as someone who probably might take notes or whatever. So if you take yeah. if you have a note-taking app in the app store, you have literally millions of potential customers. Of mm -hmm. course, you still need to reach them, but the methods are different. We have probably hundreds of thousands of potential customers Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not looking for us in the app store. So yeah, it's a bit different. And also yeah. like, um, I think we're pretty well known with the indie developers now, but especially if you want to reach like small and medium sized businesses, they are in different circles. So I guess I need yeah. to be in those circles. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And this could be a whole other show topic for another time, but I think there's a message here in terms of, uh, going where your customers are as well right that sort of activity needs to be that that way mm. um and in your case you literally can't just rely on app store optimization or anything like that to sort of get get things through there's no search ads for for telemetry deck it wouldn't make sense um in my case i'm relying on the fact that i'm making a niche product 
and that niche is pretty active about finding things that it needs. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, like I'm not doing marketing aside from making sure I'm keywording and um, keeping the app updated to some degree. I should be. There's a whole load of other stuff inside of that, that, that area of things that at some point this year, I'm going to have to lift the lid on it and go, okay, I've got this thing. How the hell am I marketing it beyond ASO? You know, yeah. <laughs> at the moment I'm not. Um, but it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm certainly gathering some, some thoughts around what I may do, some thoughts around what could be productive, useful for me, but it doesn't feel very formed yet. You know, but I'm I'm aware that this pendulum is going to need to shift for me. At the moment, I'm in dev yeah. mode. Like I say, you know, I'm, I'm shaving that yak on the old code base, trying to get it lined up with all of these these Swift packages I've made. Once that work is done, then I will release an update with that in, and that will bring some new features, which is great. And then beyond that, I'll be getting into making this pro version of of the VJ app. It's really there that I feel like I'm going to need to sort of refocus in on this this marketing side of things, right? As I'll be making, it's a new app in the same niche. It's complementary rather than a replacement for, to some degree, with the original app. It's not going to, I'm not going to withdraw the original app from the store. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to have to think about how I'm engaging with with my uh, community of people that are already using my app and, and the wider community of people who might use this pro app. And at the moment, Daniel, I've got no idea. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I stood a landing page up a couple of months back um, and collected some email addresses, which is great. But beyond like posting to that mailing list as I'm developing and those sort of activities, I, I feel really um, disorganized still with, yeah, with, with, that. with that end of things. I had um, a thought about this, about motivating yourself to do the marketing and the sales and stuff like that. Because yeah. for if you're anything like me, like doing the coding is just feels natural because it feels so nice and so good when you compile it and it runs and it's like just pretty and like yep. you just feel good, right? Whereas the marketing for us can feel uh, alien. Yes. And I think what motivates me to do then the marketing is the realization, A, I want to do, I want to have that feeling of, oh, so see, it works and it's, it's nice and it's well organized. Mm -hmm. I want to have that feeling for my whole company, like yes. for that as a thing that I'm building. So that's the one thing I want, like that's, that's one motivation that I have. And the other motivation is I've built something or we've built something really cool. I want mm -hmm. people to use it. And so I need to do uh, I need to learn how to reach my potential customers and I need to learn how to present my product to them so that they actually get to um, try it out and hopefully enjoy it. Because that brings me joy, seeing like, oh, yeah, so many people are using telemetry deck. That is really motivating. And so maybe that helps you too. Like you want the VJs of the world to to be like, oh, yeah, that Go VJ Pro thing, I'm going to try that out. And yes. they don't get the um, the chance to do that if you can't if you if you're not if you're just like sitting in your quiet little chamber just like programming away and not really yeah. sharing sharing what you're doing. Yeah. So so yeah, maybe that is also a good motivate motivator to be like, okay, why should I do this thing that is that doesn't feel good in the, especially in the beginning? Um, mm -hmm. It's because I want to reach the place where it, where where it feels good because so many people love my app. That's a good thought. And I think there's something from that, Daniel, that I'm going to have to sort of, I guess, percolate over the next next few months to a degree, right? That that That's in the pot. It's brewing. Um, and I think that's going to be, be a show topic in a few yeah. weeks is, yeah. is what is the output Your of that vision. for me. Yeah, what does that look like? Because to be honest with you, if I don't do something in that regard, if I do just build it, put it in the store and hope – it, it will sell to some degree, mm. right? I know the niche is viable. I will probably cannibalize Go VJ sales to some degree, right? There'll be people who go, well, I, I just want one app to do that. Um, and I don't think it will be the best shot I could have given it. So there mm. is a point here to say, okay, I do need to think about this stuff. I do need to have some sort of plan. Uh, I honestly think that there's, there's perhaps something in this where I will be delving back into bits of social media and online contact that perhaps I've issued over the last 
couple of years, you know, I'm not about to go running back to Twitter because none of the VJs are really there, but they are on Instagram. They are mm-hmm. on Facebook. Um, there's, there's a story inside of this and, and that, you know, we talked about before that they are on Reddit as well. Um, if I'm not showing up where my potential customers are, then how can I expect them to really know about me? And I think that's going to mean, like I say, showing up in places that I perhaps would have avoided otherwise. And there's a bit in there about, well, how do I do that and still stay genuine, you know, as well? Like, that's important to me. I don't just want to be like, hey, fellow kids, want to buy my app? You know, like (laughs) everybody knows in a forum, in a Facebook group, in a community, everybody knows when somebody's just arrived to sell that one thing, right? So there's an element of like, how do I do that and stay stay genuine um but these are all questions that we do not have time for today that we will have to cover another time but i think i'm putting it out there though for anybody listening uh in a similar position how have you found the right approach for your marketing please contact at waitingforreview.com is a good place to reach us on email and uh daniel I think if we're going to wrap the show, I'm going to segue neatly into asking, where can people find you online, mate? Awesome. People can find me online. Um, write to Daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com or just visit telemetrydeck.com to find all about um, the thing that I'm very passionate about. What about you, Dave? You can find me on Mastodon over at dave at social.lightbeamapps.com. And of course, you can find all about my apps on lightbeamapps.com as well. Amazing. All right, Dave, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I hope to see you again soon next week. And yeah. Awesome. Have Have a great day. Take it easy, Daniel. Bye. Bye bye. (laughs) We're waving.